The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. What's going on, everybody? We are back for another episode of the Iron Pits Podcast. This is your host, Dexter Pitts. Back in the saddle once again. I know I'm a little late. Had a lot going on. I was in uh, Gary, Indiana the weekend before last, so didn't really have a chance to get an episode out there. As I told you all in the last episode that my uh, auntie had died. She lived 84 years on this earth. Lovely, pleasant lady. Wonderful woman. Loved the Lord. And now she is at home in heaven resting with the Lord. And as sad of a event that death could be, black people, we don't have funerals. We have home goings. And let me tell you, we sent my auntie home in style, in fashion. It was a wonderful service. It was sad, but it was just great to see my mom's sisters that are still alive. My auntie Thelma, my auntie Velma. My other aunties, my auntie team, auntie Allie, my uncles, man, and even better, just seeing my cousins and even better than seeing my cousins was seeing my kids play with my cousins, kids, you know, and it just took me back to my childhood and me growing up with my cousins. And I've always loved my cousins. The only thing I did not like about my life growing up was the fact that I did not live closer to my cousins. But I got my cousin Jarvis, you know, my other cousin, Kim, they live in Indianapolis, so. I've been making a little bit more effort here recently to uh, hang out with my family more because I'm so busy working. I really don't get to see my family as much as I want to. And heck, I barely get to see my wife and kids as much as I want to, let alone driving two and two hours to go see, you know, see family. But I'm going to start making more of a conscious effort to do that and be present just because life is so precious. And I want to have those memories with my family being there. And I want my kids to have those memories. So that's what we're going to do. Be more present and try to be around family a lot more often. I'll tell you what else we're going to do. Well, at least what I'm doing and what I have been doing. I've been trying to get a little bit healthier. And to all my fellow cop listeners on here, you all are going to get really upset at what I'm about to say. Some of you might cancel me after this. You know what? Hey, I completely understand if you do. Because I never thought I would say what I'm about to say. Never thought I would be doing what I'm currently doing. But with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Don't kill me, y'all. Dear fellow police officers, you might not believe this, but guess what? You don't need caffeine first thing in the morning. You don't need caffeine to make it through the day. You don't need to drink those six bangs that you drink through the week. You don't need to drink those rings and all them other energy drinks. Why am I saying that? Because I have decided to go caffeine free and try to get myself together and get healthy. And see, typically when I get healthy, I go all in on one thing, you know, but this time I decided, you know what? I'm not going all in on one, like just this one thing, you know, like keto or whatever. I'm just going to start making small increments of adjustments in my life. And I realized that caffeine was literally controlling and ruling my life. But what makes me also mad is that 
you know, we we work so hard in this profession or just people in general. And then, you know, they get these energy energy drinks and they think, man, it's going to give me energy. It's going to work. And you know what? It just tastes wonderful, but it really does nothing for you. Why does it not do anything for you? Because we are so over caffeinated in American society. Nobody else in the world really drinks energy drinks like America does. But we're always still tired. I was still tired. I was like, why am I always still tired? And I was like, you know what? Why am I wasting money on a product that's really not working? Because I have too much of it in my system and my sleep sucks. And you know what? I want to be better. I want to get healthier. And so I have decided that I was going to kick caffeine from my life. And I'm not going to say I've been 100% caffeine free the last four weeks, which I technically I have, but I want to, I, I kind of ran a test. So I went uh, three weeks without having any sort of caffeine. And so I wanted to test to see how I would feel if I had some caffeine after three weeks. You know, and so what I did was I went and I got a peach monster energy drink. It had like 160 milligrams of caffeine in it. And I drank half of it. I got a little tingle and a little feel good, a little spike of energy, but it didn't really do anything for me, you know? And so I discarded the rest of it. But I noticed the next day that I had the withdrawal headache again, that I had the first two days that I stopped take, drinking caffeine. Man, let me tell you all something. The withdrawals from caffeine are awful. Oh, it was horrible, man. I mean, ah, my head hurt so bad for two days. It was just, I like lived in this dark black tunnel. And after I got out of training that day, I just went home and laid down in the bed. There's nothing I could do, nothing I could drink, nothing I could take to make that awful withdrawal headache go away. I mean, it was so bad. But I did some research as to why, you know, we start getting these headaches when we kick caffeine. That's because when you drink caffeine, the veins and capillaries in your brain shrink and it decreases the blood blood excuse me blech, decreases the blood flow to your veins. See, this is what happens when you stop drinking caffeine. <laughs> and you as you can tell, I need all the blood flow to my brain that I can get. <laughs> so I was like, man, let me you know hop on the on board this uh no caffeine thing. So when those capillaries shrink and they're so they shrink and they're used to being that size for so long, when you stop drinking caffeine, they start to open back up. And because they've been that size so long and all that blood starts to flow and that pressure, it's they're expanding past the size that they've been and it causes a headache. I mean, man, this headache was from my eyebrows to the base of my neck. Oh, it was awful, man. Just and there's nothing I could do. And so it was just ugh, I don't ever want to go through it again. But the funny thing was that even after I had that little bit of caffeine from uh, that energy drink, that uh, peach monster, I had the same withdrawal headache the next day and I kind of had to fight through it. And that's all I was like, yeah, this is just not worth it. Then I uh, the other day I tried a little experiment. I just got a the small little sugar free Red Bull and I drank that. And guess what? It actually did decent. It I really it it did the job. And guess what? I needed it <laughs> because I had worked like three 16 hour days in a row. And I was like, I was hurting, man. I was like, I got to do something to power through these shifts. And so I had that. And guess what? It did the job. It was perfect. There was no crash. And 
I think I'm going to keep with going with no caffeine because I really, really enjoy waking up and not having to, you know, just automatically go creep over to my coffee maker and get the coffee going, get the black rifle in the pot and or just spending the money that I'm spending on energy drinks. Man, I'm just kind of over it. And like I said, it's not really working. It's a placebo. We think it works, but it really don't, people. I'm telling you. Imagine how tired you are even after you drink 300 milligrams of caffeine. And the fact that most of us, especially in law enforcement, could drink two or three energy drinks at the end of our shift and still lay down when we get home and go to sleep. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a problem. And I've been a part of that problem and I am here to reverse that problem. But, you know, since I've been doing the no caffeine thing, one of the, another one of the withdrawal problems you get is man, you get a little irritated and agitated. Oh, boy, was I ever. Oh, man, I had to check myself a couple times and I was just sitting there like, what's wrong with me? Like, why is everybody bothering me? And why is everything annoying me? And then it's because I realized I don't have the caffeine in my system and I'm still going through withdrawals. And as a police officer, it's probably not a good idea to be going through withdrawal syndromes from caffeine while you're on the beat. You know, I had an incident the other day where I didn't lose my cool. I didn't say anything crazy or disrespectful, but it was what I was thinking in my mind when I was going through this incident. We get called to this homeless camp in my area and we just say they said that there's a homeless guy out here with a machete threatening people, threatening to kill people. And so we get there. You no, know, the machetes sitting in the chair and homeless people. When you ask them what happened, everybody's like, man, we ain't seen nothing. Ain't nothing happened. And I go up and talk to this big, burly, chested, wide shoulder white guy. And he's got on like a halter top, a t- white tank top. And he's got on these gray sweatpants that are super tight. And you could just see his bulge in these sweatpants. And I'm like, bro, what is going on here? And he's got these giant holes in his ears and his, you know, he's got on eyeliner and stuff. And I'm like, sir, what's what's the problem? And then he tells me, it's not sir. My pronouns are she, he. Oh, now I was like, no, here we go. Oh, I am not ready for this. I am not in the mood for this. I don't do pronouns. I don't do this make-believe thing that we're doing in America. I'm not for it. I am not willing to butcher the English language and to play into your world of make-believe and delusions because of how you feel and how you quote-unquote identify. But because I am a man of the people and I am a professional in uniform, I am going to respect that on a personal level because when you call the police, that is what you want and that is what you expect. To a certain degree, I have to be a yes man to co-sign on your BS. And because I am a public servant and somebody called to be served, I went along with it. But just know, in the back of my mind, I'm not with you. I'm not going for it. I don't want to hear that my pronouns are she, he from a dude with shoulders wider than mine, a big round hairy chest and a gray sweatpants bulge. I don't want to hear he, my pronouns are she, he, or she, her, whoever. I can't, I don't see. It's getting me confused. It's getting me in my feelings, it's getting agitated again. Let me calm down. But so, you know, we I go start talking to this guy and we just figure out what's going on. He's I just want to ride. I'll oh, see. I said he, because I don't do pronouns. And because I'm not in front of him, I'm going to call him a he because he is a he. There is no question about it. This man is producing more testosterone than the NFL in his body and wants to be called she, her. 
I'm not doing it. <laughs> so, you know, I we figure out the situation and he's like, I just want to ride. I was like, you know what? I'm going to give you a ride because I want to get you out of this area before that machete comes out and somebody really gets hurt and killed. So I decided to give this fool a ride to the other side of town on the a few beats away from my beat just to squash the situation. And I'm just super irritated and agitated. And the guy's literally done nothing to me. He hasn't said anything disrespectful to me. I lost myself internally. I lost it just because of the caffeine withdrawals. He didn't know it wasn't his fault. You know, he's just living his best life. He's doing what he does. And I'm okay with that. The homeless, the bums were doing what they do. They're being homeless. And I was just not in a place to deal with it because I have not had any caffeine in so long. And I was just kind of, you know, making my way through it. So I make my way through that. But the other day, you know, I'm gotten better with the agitation from the lack of caffeine. I'm, I've actually mellowed out and kind of found my new normal. You know, but this is one thing that has been driving me crazy recently in this profession is that police officers have become lions with no teeth. We don't even roar. We roar. That's what it seems like we do now. We we talk a big game, but we don't do anything. And one of the biggest things we've had happening in my city and like many other cities across the country is these drag racers and like illegal street racing. So we've been dealing with that. And I got punked so bad the other day, y'all. And I was so mad. And there's it's getting punked is one thing, but getting punked in front of citizens and them expecting you to do something. It meant I knew what was about to happen, too. I knew it. So I'm sitting downtown in Louisville at a traffic light. As I'm sitting there, these three young black dudes, probably about, man, these cats look like maybe 16 to maybe 22 years old, pull up on dirt bikes. And as soon as they pull up on these dirt bikes next to me, man, there's people all around me and they start weaving in between the cars to pull up next to me. And I already like, I already know what's going to happen. I said to myself, these fools are going to run this red light, this next red light, pop willies and do burnouts right in front of me and I'm not going to do anything because our policy says we are not allowed to chase dirt bikes or motorcycles we can't chase cars unless they have committed a serious serious offense well the light turns green we go forward and we come up to the next red light and we're sitting at the red light I'm the first car at the red light and they're on the left and right side of me and the next thing you know all you hear is and there goes the Willie. There goes the burnout. There goes the Willie. And there they go running the red light. And I just see people in the cars next to me, on the, uh, around me, people on the side looking at me, throwing their hands up like, officer, aren't you going to do something? You're just going to let them do that right in front of you? You know what? Yes, I am just going to let them do that right in front of me. You know why? Because they're going to take off once I hit them lights. And if I chase them and then, then one of them dies, guess who's going to be held liable and responsible? Me. And guess what? If this city wanted to do something about it, they would untie my hands from behind my back and let me do my job. But because this city is more concerned about liability instead of the law and enforcing it, guess what? My hands are tied and other officers' hands are tied. So all I did is hop on the radio and say, radio, be advised, we got three dirt bikes doing burnouts, you know, popping wheelies and disregarding traffic signs and signals. Last seen heading southbound on 2nd Street. That's all I could do. And I went to my next run. And it makes you so mad, like the agitation and the irritation, because I signed up 
just like everybody else, to enforce the law. And we are not allowed to do that for some odd reason. Well, I know it ain't for some odd reason. I know the reason because the city literally does not care. Just let them go do their thing. And there are literally no rules here. It's whatever you want to do. And right in front of the police. There was a point in time when I started in 2010 where it was looked down upon to shame and disrespect the police. But now that's like the everyday norm. Every day I come into work and people see the badge and they just spit on it, crap on it right in front of us. And there's nothing we can do because the liability is too high on our end. So we have to be extra cautious in what we do. Uh, and and it's honestly, it's not worth it. It's absolutely not worth it because if it goes wrong, guess who's going to be left on the hook? You, not the city. That's going to be you in the newspaper. It's going to be you under stress. It's going to be you off for a year or two under investigation, waiting to see if you're still going to have a job or be able, be able, being able to see if you're going to be able to continue and carry on with your life. So it's just not worth it, man. And the outrage is the outrage about it is real from the policing community, but I don't hear any really cries from concern coming from the community. Nobody's going to the mayor's office and knocking on the door and saying this is unacceptable. So, I mean, there's a difference between street racing with cars because we can stop those cars to a certain degree. If they take off running, we really can't chase them because they haven't committed a serious crime. The dirt bikes, once they start, there's literally nothing we can do because we can't chase motorcycles or bicycles. We just can't do it. So, you know, we just got to let it go, which is a damn shame. And speaking of outrage, I was not aware of this, and I know this is a little late, but apparently I was learning that there's outrage going on from people over the Little Mermaid. I think I told y'all on the last episode, I've been kind of detached from a lot of things that's going on. I've not been paying attention. I literally just don't care. I'm just at a point in my life where I do not watch a lot of TV or movies. I, honestly, I just don't have time and I'm not interested in most of the stuff that's out. So I, I was not aware that there was a new Little Mermaid and I was not aware that they had turned into a live action movie and they made it turn into a black character. I mean, quite frankly, I really don't care because it's make believe just like old boy with the gender pro with the pronouns earlier with the barrel chest and the bulge in the sweatpants. You know, I'm not playing. I'm not going down the road. I don't get upset about stuff that's make believe. And though mermaids are not real. And especially, man, black mermaids. Come on, y'all. We know black mermaids aren't real. Have you been to a black pool party? Have you seen black people at the beach and seen how scared we are? Listen, I can swim. I went to the beach with my family last year. But I tell you what, I'm not taking my black ass that far out into that water because I ain't about to get snatched up by nothing. I'm not doing it. Man, I was so cautious and so scared when I was on the beach. I had a great time, but I was really black about it. I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I didn't want to go in past where, you know, the water was above my knees because and then, you know, the water's clear to a degree. But, man, there's still so much stuff I saw in that water, man. I was like, nah, we are not doing this. And then I think I talked about it on my show last year. There's a video I took. There was some creature in the water. And I went back to the shore and I saw all the other white people go further into the water next to this giant black blob with this fin coming off up off of it. And this was not a dolphin fin. This was a sharp pointy fin. And they're out in the water and I'm just like, oh, my God, they are all about to die. 
and I I was just here I was just here to watch I was here to record so I could go viral with that video of a bunch of white people getting ate up at the beach by some sort of sea creature but thank God that didn't happen but you want to sit here and make me believe Hollywood that there are black mermaids see Hollywood don't know black people I know black people we ain't there there ain't no black mermaids like I say mermaids aren't real period but in order to watch these movies you got to be able to suspend your belief a little bit and I'm not able to suspend my belief that much. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just not. I've been black for too long and I've been black so long that I've seen enough stuff that may let me know there would never be a black mermaid. I can definitely see white, a white mermaid. I, I really can. The white people in the water chasing that large, ominous black spot with that fin. Now, I can definitely see a white, worm, a white mermaid. And, you know, the thing that just gets me with these with Hollywood recently is just they're so unoriginal. Just horrible storylines, man. They can't do anything right. They can't be original. Everything's a remake. You know, if you're going to do a Black Little Mermaid, make it realistic. Like, okay, like let's say a storyline I thought of is, let's say, uh, you got like a Black Fisherman. He's out off the beaches of uh, L.A., off the shores of California, fishing, and he catches a Black Mermaid. He brings her back to the hood, and, you know, he teaches her how to be a Black young Black lady in the hood, and then we could call it being under the hood as opposed to the little mermaid with Ariel under the sea. You catch what I'm saying? You picking it up? Okay. Yeah. See, that'll work. I would believe that. I would watch that. But that's just been Hollywood recently. I remember a couple years ago, and I can understand and see why people get upset about this stuff because it's a shock to their system. It's a shock to them. But there were, I don't know if y'all remember years ago, there was a movie made. I believe it was called the, uh, what was the name of that movie? The uh, Kings of Egypt or the God, yeah, the Gods of Egypt. It was portrayed by all white people. And I'm sitting here like, bro, like there's no white people aren't really from that part of the world generally. It's a place called Europe mostly, you know, Russia, you know, the East. And, but no, but we got the the gods of Egypt and it's all these white people. And it's just like, well, you know, that's just Hollywood, man. Hollywood doing what Hollywood does. And none of it made sense. Just like Scarface. Scarface is a great movie. But there is nothing Cuban about Al Pacino. He's Italian. But that's where we are in the movies now where I, nobody cared about that stuff back then. It was, hey, this guy's an actor. He's acting and pretending to be somebody he is not. And if that white guy can pretend like he is a Cuban and suspend your belief and make you really think and believe he's from Cuba, that actor has done his job. But we don't do that now. We now say that people have to be, you know, these parts have to be played by people that are exactly that, which I think cheapens acting and cheapens movies because, my God, we're just at a point now where Hollywood is just forcing all this wokeness into these movies and these characters and it just does not fit and it does not make sense and Hollywood is doing things just to be woke and inclusive and it's not working and they keep remaking all these classics like I saw that they made a Black Wonder Years why why make the one remake the Wonder Years the Wonder Years with Fred Savage was great as it was nobody cared about or nobody demanded Hey, we need y'all to go make a Black Wonder Years. You know who that was? The Hollywood elites that were like, you know what? Let's just let's show show the people that we with them. Let's show black people that we care. We're going to remake the Black Wonder Years. And you know what? I've not heard any black people I know 
talk about, oh my God, did you see the Black Wonder Years the other night? Nobody has said a damn word about it because nobody cares. That is these Hollywood elites thinking that they know what people want and like. Nobody cares, man. It's stupid. And I ain't, I'm not even going to watch it. I'm just not. Why? And then what really gets me is, so when this whole Little Mermaid thing started coming out, I started watching these, uh, I guess you get these reaction videos that people put out of young little little black girls watching the little mermaid for the first time and they're just amazed oh my god she's black she looks like me and uh this one lady i don't know who she was but she was doing the recording and i guess she used a tiktok app where she recorded herself backing up and like she got smaller and smaller and she was just looking at her daughter and her friends watching the little mermaid and was just just all in her emotions like oh my god this is so beautiful these little black girls are seeing themselves on screen no they're not you know what they're seeing they're seeing entertainment they're seeing the little mermaid the only reason that these little girls care that the little mermaid is black is because you have taught them to care that she's black you have taught these little black girls to see oh ariel's white she's not like you you have taught them that that's the only reason kids care what color the little mermaid is because parents have taught them to care. Parents have taught them that there is value in someone's color or in color. It's stupid. And you're passing this along to your children. Your children aren't excited about the color of the little mermaid. Your kids just want to be entertained. That's all. There's nothing else to it. And so when you put that in their minds that, hey, you're black, you're less than, you're a victim, guess what they're going to be? They're going to be excited when you tell them, guess what? They turned the Little Mermaid from white to black for you. They're going to be excited because you told them to be excited. That was not a natural reaction. Man, my daughter has seen the Little Mermaid. My daughter, man, we've watched so many Disney movies with my kid. My kid has never said, Dad, I really wish Pinocchio was black. Dad, I really wish they had this in the movie, the show, you know, the, peace, the struggle of my, our people. My kids have never said that. And they never will because that's not something we put in their minds. Hey, is this a good movie for kids to watch? There we go. Let's watch it. That's all it is. And it's so weird. I see people on my Facebook time list. Uh, my Facebook times list. <laughs> see the caffeine withdrawals, real y'all. But you know, I see people I went to school with making comments like, "Oh, you know, this country hates black people, but it's so good to see this country wake up and start realizing our value." And I'm just like, "You grew. We grew up in a multicultural school." The only reason you see color is because your mom and daddy taught you and you're stupid. Honestly, I know who you are. I look at you all the time and I'm just like, no, <laughs> you can always tell people that are drowning in life because they're constantly posting about, you know, these inspirational things where I'm currently a work in progress and all these other stupid memes live, laugh, love. And, you know, the only hard day was yesterday. You got to keep going. But every time I see you on Facebook, you're crying about something. But yet, all your time and energy and attention is going to what color the Little Mermaid is. I think you need to find another hobby, find something else to do with your life, and maybe put your energy and efforts elsewhere if you're that excited about a fake cartoon that has been turned into a live-action movie and the characters have been switched from white to black. Like, literally nobody cares but you. You know, I had one of my buddies, uh, Phil, the Phil D. Blackman, he runs a show, and he was like, Dex, who are these people and where are these people that are upset about the Little Mermaid? And I was like, bro, that's a good question because I don't really see anybody complaining about it. 
And I don't think nobody really cares. I really think it's Hollywood and it's it's agenda to push this stuff out to. Oh, look at this controversy. People are mad that the Little Mermaid is black. It was damn Trump supporters. Those damn J6 people. That's what they're trying to make you think and believe. And guess what? That is not the case. Man, I have not heard anyone talk about the Little Mermaid until I got on social media. People ain't sitting at the coffee shops talking about Ariel going from white to black. People ain't sitting at the family table talking about it. The people that are talking about it are only the elites who put this stuff out. And for some odd reason, I guess because of that, they said this movie received like 150 million negative reviews. And I haven't seen the movie. But you know what? If my daughter wants to watch the movie, guess what we're going to do? We're going to watch the movie because she wants to be entertained. She wants to see something new. I, I don't care what color the little mermaid is. And like one of my friend, Ann, my friend Ann said, all she cares is, can she sing like Ariel? You know, I don't know, but we're going to find out eventually. When I'm off one of these uh, weekends, we're going to watch that movie and figure it out. And we're not going to care what color Ariel is. And this is why I've just been so detached from Hollywood and movies. Like, really, I don't feel like hearing these stupid woke messages and Hollywood just continues to suck and just inject all their wokeness and symbolism into everything. That's why I've just been so detached. Like, I don't care. I don't want to hear all this, man. And it's the same with Netflix. You know, I don't know if Netflix and Hollywood, I mean, I guess you could say they're the same, but I mean, I guess Netflix is independently run, but I mean, it's movies, actors, it's all the same circle. You know, I was going to want, I was looking forward to watching this movie that came out. I guess it was called Road Trip or something with Queen Latifah, Ludacris, the rapper, a.k.a. Chris Bridges. Man, I was like, man, I'm going to give this a shot. You know, I've been working hard. I'm tired. I just want to sit on the couch and kind of like veg out and watch a movie. So I cut on the movie. And the first thing I see is Ludacris wearing this bright bright yellow jersey with the Black Lives Matter fist on it. And I shut down. I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this. I don't want to see this crap. And I just turn the movie off. I'm not hearing it. Maybe I'm sensitive. Maybe I'm being a punk. But I'm just tired of Hollywood forcing these narratives and woke characters in the movies and storylines, man. I don't want to see, like, bro, just entertain me. I don't need your symbolisms. Dude, look, Top Gun. I'm still reeling off the of Top Gun because Top Gun was that, it was just that phenomenal of a movie. It had a, di- a diverse group of characters and it fit. You didn't have to force it. But Netflix and this movie, they're forcing everything. And I'm just like, it's so unnatural and it makes the movie so unenjoyable and it's so blatant to see what they're doing. And so guess what? I'm never going to watch that Queen Latifah movie now because of that. I don't want to be exposed to that. I don't want to see that, man. Just make a damn movie. Have a good plot and a storyline. Draw me in. That's it. That's all I need. I don't need what you, you know, what you think and believe about modern day politics and black lives. And then Hollywood did it again or Netflix with this, uh, the new Jeffrey Dahmer series that just came out. So but before I tell you about the Jeffrey Dahmer series, let me tell you all something. I'm a survivor. I made it. When I was younger, my family moved to Milwaukee. My family during the Great Migration period in America. If you don't know what that is, look it up. It's historical. But when blacks moved from the south to the industrial north, my family made that move. Man, so my family pretty much is I have a lot of family in Milwaukee. And that's where all my family's at. So guess what? And about 1990, we flew back to the United States from Germany after my dad was stationed there. You know, during the Gulf War period and whatnot. 
And we were living in North Milwaukee with my grandma. And I was going to school in Milwaukee and living my life. And when I learned about the whole Jeffrey Dahmer thing, my God, I was like six years old. I was young. You know, but dude, like, well, when I think about it, I'm like, man, I lived on like North 60th in Milwaukee. And Jeffrey Dahmer lived like <laughs> like 11 minutes from where we were living. And so to see all that and transpire in real life, like I was super young, so I don't remember much. But I remember enough to remember how big of a thing it was. And it was pretty, pretty crazy. So so it's kind of wild that I'm sitting here watching this uh, series about Jeffrey Dahmer. And I'm thinking, I lived 11 minutes from this fool, man. He could have had my little black ass over the stove, gnawing on my fingers and whatnot. My God. But you know what? That would have never happened because I actually had a good mother. And my mom did not play that, did not just let me roam and wander the streets in Milwaukee or anywhere because she was actually a good mother and took care of me. But man, besides that, you know, man, it was actually a very, very good series. My God, it wasn't dark. Whew. Man, that was a, it was creepy. Super creepy. And the actor, the acting in this series was phenomenal. The guy that played Jeffrey Dahmer, man, he did a bang-up job. I mean, it was a really good series. But, of course, in true leftist Hollywood fashion, guess what? We had to inject the anti-police rhetoric and the anti-police hate. And now, let me say this. Like I said, it was a really good series. They did it well. It was well-made. They, sto- they told the stories. And I understand that during the Jeffrey Dahmer incident, the police made some mistakes. Yeah, you know, they, they had a little Asian boy that got away, got free, and they returned the little Asian boy back over to Jeffrey so that he could rape his body and eat him and throw him in the refrigerator. So, you know, there's a lot of outrage about that, understandable. And I'm not saying that some of the things that they're saying in this series about the police are inaccurate. But I do believe that you could definitely tell in this series they over embellished a lot of stuff and they put a lot of extra emphasis on police hate and the police, the police's hate for black, black and brown people like they, they just really pushed it hard. And it almost pushed me to the point where I was ready to turn off the series because it was just you could just see their agenda. But because it was so well done, I was kind of able to look past it. So, I mean, there's just one part where you got the lady that lived next door to Jeffrey and then you got Jesse Jackson in there and they're just going in on the police. They always do this. They always get away with this. We're going to get justice because they, the police, they always get away. And it's just like like they were going so hard. And it just like, really? Like, I mean, yes. Did it happen? Yes. Were they were they right to feel that way? Yes. But. Just the way it came off that felt so forced and disingenuous that it was just like, okay, y'all are taking it too far. And then they throw this part into the movie where I guess the cops that were um, the cops that got away with uh, not returning the kid back to his family or, you know, and letting him go back with Jeffrey Epstein. We got to this part part in the show where the cops were calling the family of one of the uh, victims. Uh, the the family of the victim and telling them like go back to your country you know you don't belong here you know you spick you dirty you know dirty gook and the cops are at the police station doing this on the on the police phone and their commander comes in asking what are you doing they're like nothing why was that in the film 
when that is not accurate and that did not happen in real life. That is Hollywood going over in a board with this wild narrative that cops are racist and that cops hate black and brown people. That is not a thing. How do I know? I looked it up and researched it as much as I could. That was not a thing. Now, the cops making the bad decision that night. Yeah, that was real. The cops getting fired and get reinstated. That was real. The cops getting award, an award for like officer of the year for, you know, pursuit, you know, preserving through all this. That was real. But that one part there was not real. And that there just tells you where the mind of Hollywood is and just just pushing that false narrative that make believe narrative, making people believe that police hate black and brown people, which we all know is not true. Are there police officers that are racist? You damn believe it. Are there police officers that really hate black and brown people? You better believe it. But that is not the norm, ladies and gentlemen. That is not the norm. They are few in between, but they are around us and they do exist. But they are not what are what Netflix is making it out to be. Plus, this was like the 90s, man. The 90s was a wild time in this country, especially in policing. I mean, there was a lot of reforms that happened in policing that, let's be honest, probably needed to happen because I, it was a it was there was a lot of stuff that went unchecked in the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s with policing. And that's why I tell people that officers today, we are paying for the sins of our forefathers in policing from all the past 40, 50 years. So what we're dealing with now, your commanders that are telling y'all you're doing the things wrong. Well, think about all the pe black people your commander probably beat up back in the day, back in the early 90s and 2000s. Yeah, that's why I have a problem with a lot of uh, the current day leadership in policing. You're doing it wrong. Well, you were doing it wrong for 20 years, bro. Now you want to get it right? Okay. Now, I, I'll give you a chance to get it right, but, oh, man. That, so let me, get, let me stop before I get off on a whole other tangent with that. <laughs> you know, but just like I was saying with these Hollywood, these elitist leftists and Democrats, you know, they push these narratives that the police hate black and brown people. But them, them, they, them themselves, they love black and brown people we love all these people that are different we you know we embrace diversity you know everyone is welcomed in my country no person is illegal but you're just not welcome to my community i say that because we seen the left get exposed recently here a couple weeks ago with this uh issue that happened in martha's vineyard the small island off of uh, boston where governor desantis decided to put a bunch of illegal immigrants that had came to the country illegally on a plane and sent them to a sanctuary city, Martha's Vineyard. And the people of Martha's Vineyard are not having it. <laughs> now, let me tell you something about Martha's Vineyard. I have been to Martha's Vineyard, y'all. Yes, I was in Martha's Vineyard in, my God, I think 2006, maybe, right before I was getting ready to get out the army. I talk about it in my book. I was part of this group called the National Theater Workshop for the Handicap. I don't think they exist anymore. The guy, brother Rick Curry, he's now deceased. He was a Jesuit, a Jesuit brother, I believe, I believe is what they call him, but super good guy. Had one arm, and he set up this shop for handicapped people to get into acting and theater. And I got approached when I was in the army about going to this therapy program they were starting. And honestly, that's kind of where I started writing more and getting into more acting and stuff. So. Oh, I go do this workshop there for the week and we put on the showcase to raise money. And one of the places they go to put on a showcase to raise money was at a theater in Martha's Vineyard. 
And so I stayed in Martha's Vineyard for three days and it was freaking amazing. Boy, I think these people, the, the money there is long. Them pockets is deep, son. And I mean, man, there was so, so, so much money flowing in Martha's Vineyard. I mean, we there for the weekend. Man, I stayed in this giant ass mansion. I ain't never, ever seen a house like that in person. Not alone did I ever think I'd be sleeping in one, man. I mean, it was bananas, man. We and the people that let us stay there were just wonderful people. I don't know who they were, but my God, you know them. We go with go on stage in Martha's Vineyard, and I read my monologue and do the song and dance that we put on for some other people and raise a ton of money. And I remember one of the pictures I took at Martha's Vineyard was a, uh, it was me kneeling next to a car like this Jaguar that they had for auction, like a raffle. And I'm just like, damn, like, <laughs> yeah, I would never have enough money to live here. But it was a good time, man. But seeing the reaction from the people in Martha's Vineyard when these 50 illegal I immigrants came to their community and Martha's Vineyard was not having it. But what happened to the we love black and brown people? That's why I said they'll say they will say no person is illegal. All are welcome in our country, just not my community. You know, when your feet to the fire and it's time for you to back up what you've been saying and praying about and pushing for and it comes to your door and you don't do what you say you're going to do. You're a hypocrite. That's a problem. And that is why I have a problem with the elites in this country, like regardless of the left or the right. But especially with the left right now, man, they they have they, these people have the money to take care of these immigrants that they wanted to. Man, there are so many houses there in Martha's Vineyards that are not used because they're just like a summer home or a weekend getaway. They could have, if they wanted to, put these families away and took care of them. But of course, they didn't because they're an inconvenience. And you know what? It's a good catchphrase and a good slogan. We're a sanctuary city. No, peop no person is illegal. All are welcome until it's at your doorstep. Now, me personally, I'll tell you, if a bunch of illegals come to my house looking for asylum, you ain't getting in, homie. I don't know you. And it's the same how I feel about my country. This is my country. I love America. And yes, you are welcome. But only if you come to my door and ring my doorbell. If you go to the back of my house and open up my windows and come inside without me knowing, you're going to get shot. I'm telling you right now. Because I have people in this house that I love and care about. And if somebody comes and enters my house illegally, you're going to die. And I feel the same way about my country. I want you to come here. I want you to come to the door of America. But I don't want you to break the glass and then climb in through the window. I don't want you to pry open the door without knocking and asking for permission to come in. That's not the way we do things here. But that is just the way things are currently on the border. And I'm not saying these people are coming to America are bad people. Most of these people are literally coming here looking for a better life. But there is a way to do it. And unfortunately, I understand that the way to do it is difficult and expensive. But I respect the people that do it right. Like I had Jonathan done on my show here a couple weeks ago. He's going through the process the right way to become an American citizen. And when he does, I want to be there to celebrate with that man when he takes his, you know, when he takes the oath. I want to be there because it's beautiful, man. Seeing somebody come from outside of America, coming in here to live the American dream. And doing it the right way, I can't be mad at that. But I am mad at the fact that, yes, people are coming here illegally. This is my country. And I will say it. 
If you're not willing to come here the right way, go back to where you came from. Some people might not like that. I don't care. I'm not here to be politically correct. If you want to come to my country, come the right way, come correct. Like I said, I worked on the border for a year. I kind of know the process. I kind of know how things go. I know that these people are desperate. But guess what? We have people, American citizens in our country that are desperate that we got to take care of that we're not taking care of. We have veterans in our country that we got to take care of that we're not taking care of. But for some odd reason, America loves to take care of everybody else but our own. We see that in Ukraine and we see that with this garbage going on at the border. And if they wanted to secure the border, best believe that they could. But they're not going to do it. And now let me say this also. Now, I've been clapping on the uh, left and the Democrats a little bit. I'm going to clap on the right as well. I'm Republicans. Man, as much as I got a lot of laughter and joy out of seeing the left having their feet put to the fire and them being held accountable to their own words about loving and welcoming all illegal immigrants and them being hypocrites when the moment comes. I'm also upset at the right and the Republicans for these are real people. Illegal immigrants are people, man. They have families, they have friends, they have emotions, they have feelings, they have struggles, they have troubles. But for us, the governor DeSantis to step in and use these people as a pawn for a political game, I do not like that. I understand why he did it. It was funny, but I have to call it out that I don't like that, man. These are people's lives that we're playing with, and I don't agree with that at all. Putting these people on a plane where you know that you know they're probably not going to be accepted there. Like I say, I understand it's political season right now. There's a game being played and a show being put on, but I don't like the thought, the fact that we're playing games with people's lives. We're playing politics with people's lives. I've 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 had my life and career paid, played with with the, for the last three four years because of politics, because of policing and politics. I've been a pawn in this game. It's not fun. Just like it's not fun for me, I know it's not fun for these people. But what I don't agree with either is the fact that these illegal immigrants are now suing Governor DeSantis. And you might be wondering, how is it that somebody who is not an American citizen can sue, you know, the U.S. government? Trust me, I did not know that was a thing either until I got to the border in 2019. and started working down there and I was told, be careful. These illegal, illegal, illegal immigrants have cell phones. They record. And if you do something wrong, they're going to report you and they're going to get an illegal an uh, immigration lawyer and they're going to sue you and they're going to get rich. And I think that that is crazy that somebody if you enter this country illegally and do something wrong and get hurt and you are able to sue. That's stupid. That's a problem. That should never be the case. But that's America in America. You can sue for anything you want. I mean, you don't even have to be an American citizen to file a lawsuit, man. And I feel like that's ridiculous. And this is America. We are setting ourselves up for failure, just like with a lot of police departments, man. We have police departments that get sued because some numbskull, some idiot decides to fight the police, go commit a crime. The police get called. And when the police get called, this idiot does something further stupid and causes the police officer to react to his stupidity and hurt this person and is able to sue and win. And the family gets paid. Like, how does any of that make sense? Common sense in America is dead, ladies and gentlemen. It is gone. And you can further see this by this incident that just recently happened in where else? The great state of Florida. Since we're on Florida, let's go further into some more Florida craziness.
So I have this article here by ABC News. I saw it the other day. It says sheriff must pay 15 million for death of Florida teen outside of state fair. A Florida sheriff has been ordered to pay ordered by a jury to pay 15 million to the parents of a teenager who died while trying to cross a highway after being kicked out of the state fair by deputies. So this incident happened back in 2014 at the Florida state fair. So from what I read, if I'm wrong, somebody call me out on it, but this kid was inside the state fair with his friends unsupervised, no parents around these parents or this kid, this kid, they start fighting with people. The next thing you know, they start destroying stuff, kicking over tables, fighting, I mean, destroying property. And guess what happens? Somebody calls the police. And guess what happens when the police get called? The police approach this kid. And instead of taking this kid to jail, they show this kid some mercy, some grace, and they throw him out of the fair. And well, when he gets thrown out of the fair, I guess his coach is there. And his coach decides, goes up to him and says, hey, let me give you a ride home. Well, this kid is 14 years old. And this kid decides, hey, I don't want to ride home. I'm just going to walk home. And so this kid decides to try to cross the interstate. I don't know if any of you have played the game Frogger, but it never ends up good for the frog. And just like the frog in the game Frogger, this kid gets hit by a car on the interstate and freaking dies. And the parents decide that it is the fault of the sheriff's department that their son is dead and got hit by a car because they did their job as officers and remove the problem from the situation and put this kid out of the state fair. And because of this kid's poor skills and life skills and poor judgment, and because of their poor parenting, this kid is dead. But now they're suing and they're going to get $15 million because of their bad choices. How does any of this make sense? How is this the sheriff's and the deputy's fault? If there's anybody, I don't even want to blame the kid. It's not, he's 14. I was a freaking idiot when I was 14. I'm still an idiot on some days. But at 14, you don't know anything, man. You know whose fault this is? The parents. And guess what? Because the parents are able to sue the sheriff and get this money, this alleviates them being any sort of responsible party in their son's death. They are just simply finger pointing and blaming the officers not their child, not themselves for their child's death. This is shameful. And this is why we will continue to have problems in this country. Parents, where are you? Where were y'all? One of y'all working? I don't know. Your kids shouldn't have been at the fair unsupervised. If you would have been there, maybe this would have not happened. Maybe if you had worked things out between you two and actually raised him as a couple. I don't know y'all's backstory. I don't know. But there was a failure. There's multiple levels of failure before it came to this kid's death and before it got to the police. But because we have made the police the scapegoat of every problem in this country, people are now able to sue the police for things that are not the police's fault. You know, and this is why I try not to break the law, because I don't want to have to go sit before a jury of my peers because I do not see my peers as my equals. A jury of my peers I see is a pool of idiots. The 10-person jury reached its verdict Thursday evening in Tampa Federal Court in the case of Andrew Joseph III, a black 14-year-old who was killed on Interstate 4 in 2014 after he was booted from the Florida State Fair following its disturbance involving several teenagers. The jury found the Sheriff's Department 90% responsible for the child's death, 
and they only assign 10% of blame to the actual child, you know, that the the juvenile, 10%. So why, 90% of the blame is on the sheriff's department. What else could the sheriff's department have done? Could they have taken the kid home? Sure they could have, but they didn't. That's not necessarily their responsibility. They removed the party uh, that was causing problems. Now, liability-wise, yeah, is there? All, there's always liability when dealing with juveniles. Man, anytime you say something about kids or juveniles in today's world of police officers, we all cringe because nobody wants to deal with juveniles because of crap like this. The liability. Now you think liability is high dealing with motorcycles running from you? Right? The liability with juveniles is so much higher. Oh, my God. Nobody wants to deal with it. But 90% of the sheriff's department, you know, it's their fault. Not the parents. Nobody else. I mean, even the coach stepped in. To try to give this kid a ride home. Why is the coach not responsible? Because the coach ain't got no money. Guess who got money? The sheriff's department. They're hitting the pockets of the people that they know got the cash. And this it's shameful. And you wonder why people are not flocking to this profession. And you wonder why officers are comfortable and content just sitting in a parking lot during their shift and not going and hunting evil. It's because of crap like this. And then this is the last part of the article. It says that child didn't do nothing wrong. Joseph Jr., I'm guessing that's the kid's father, said after the verdict, according to media outlets, $15 million. Put some respect on it. Now, respect. That's right. Respect. Black people we don't say respect. We say respect. Put some respect on it. That's how we end that article. Man, that dad, that dude should be ashamed of himself and you know what? I that fifteen million dollars is going to be good to him, but guess what? That is not going to erase the shame of you being a failure of a father and a failure of a parent. That is disgusting. There is no amount of money you could offer me to make me leave my child and just be an absent parent and be an absent father. Nothing in this world but makes me want to leave my children. And of course, some people think I'm wrong. Some people think I'm callous. And that's fine. I'm willing to debate that all day, but I will stand on the side of the officers on this all night. Okay, could, could they have done things different? Of course they could have, but they didn't. You know what? The kid, he could have done something different. Even at 14, yeah, you're an idiot, but you still know right from wrong. And, you know, I tried to give this kid some credit. It's like, hey, he's a kid. He don't really know, but he do know better. Man, my kid, my son is six years old, and this little Negro know better. He know right from wrong. And you know why he tries to do right? Because he knows daddy's going to get on that ass if he don't. And when you don't have that father figure in your life and that backing, and you live, grow up in a ruleless, in a lawless society. And you do whatever you want and you don't want to think of the consequences. There are no consequences for him. And because of that, this kid's dead because of a lack of parenting, not a, you know, misuse of police power. That's the scapegoat. And until parents in America start stepping up and take responsibility for the lives that they're creating, we're going to continue to have more incidents like this. But thank God we have the police departments for y'all to sue so that you can get rich off of your kid's life that you let go to waste because you're too shitty of a parent to, to be in your child's life. And like I said, our our justice system is broken. I've said it many times before. And I mean, I don't even have to tell you, you can look around. If you ever put your phone down and decide to step outside, you just look around at life. You will see that 
America's broken. We're fractured. Our justice system is horrible. Talk to the people around you. Talk to the people in the town over from you. Justice is an illusion in this country, and I hate that. Just like I was telling y'all earlier with the people punking me in my police car, popping willies on in front of me and knowing I can't do anything. You know, that that permeates throughout the society, throughout the whole country. And when people see that, it just reinforces the fact that, you know what, I'm going to do what I want to do. The, the cops can't do nothing to me. The cops don't have real power. The justice system don't have real power. And because of that, that's why we have incidents like this incident out of North Dakota where this man, I guess a grown man, got into a political argument with a teenager and ended up killing him. But yet this man is out on bail. He is free. So in an article by the Free Bacon, it, Free Bacon, <laughs> I'm definitely hungry. Uh, free Beacon, it says a man who killed Republican teenager over political argument is free on bail. A North Dakota man who allegedly struck Republican teenager with his car because the two had a political argument was released on Tuesday. Shannon Brandt, 41, last week told police that he hit 18-year-old Kyler Ellingston, who he thought was part of a Republican extremist group. According to an affidavit obtained by Fox, Brandon admitted to striking the pedestrian with his car because he had a political argument with the pedestrian. The affidavit continues, Ellison died of his injuries. A breath test found Brandt's blood alcohol level above the legal limit. This case comes as fears of political violence rise across the United States. Nearly two-thirds of Americans say political division will increasingly spill over into violence, according to a CBS poll this month. President Joe Biden on September 1st used a national speech on unity to say that MAGA Republicans spread fear and lies and are committed to destroying American democracy. Brandon told the judge in his case that he doesn't understand the charges against him and objected to the bail amount. He was ultimately released on $50,000 bail. Now, that $50,000, uh, I'm not sure how they operate in North Dakota, but here in Kentucky, in the, the county of Jefferson County, it would be $5,000. $5,000 and that guy's out of jail and is free to go. But this just sets a bad precedent for America. Even that, imagine if this was reversed. See, this article doesn't mention what color these two guys were, but more than likely, I'm judging. I'm going like, <laughs> to go ahead and say it. North Dakota, sure it's two white people. Not a doubt, not a clue. Not, well, probably no doubt. I mean, I've been to North Dakota. I went to North Dakota last year to go buy a truck. And North Dakota is very interesting, very flat and very white. There was not a lot of Negroes when I was up there. Now, there were some brown people. There's some Indians, definitely some Indians, but not a lot of people that look like me. Yo. But I'm going to safely assume that both of these individuals were white. I can only imagine if the roles were reversed. And if the young white guy that was killed was black and the other guy, if the young white guy that was killed was black, it was a Republican and the guy that killed him was a white Democrat, you wouldn't even hear this article. I mean, you still not really hearing this article. I mean, nobody's really talked about it. The only reason I heard about it is because I heard it on the podcast. I listened to the drinking bros where they brought it up and I seen a couple other people bring it up. Yo, but, this is not a headline. It is not trending anywhere because it's two white people doing violence to each other. And regardless of one being on the left, one being on the right, nobody cares because it's just not politically, it's not thought provoking. 
it's not divisive enough. See, the news and the media, man, they need that division. They need that anger. They need that violence to get them clicks, to get those views. And that's where we're at with society now, man. And like like the article said, expect more of this to happen, more political violence. I told you all a couple months ago when we saw the bombs going off here and, you know, um, here in the country, like, well, we had the fake bomb threat and all this happened after uh, Trump's, you know, being raided and expect more political violence, people. Because we have become so lazy as a, as a society that no one thinks for themselves. No one thinks critically. And we believe everything that we see on the news. We get mad over the color of the little mermaid. We get mad over left versus right. When the truth is nobody on the left or the right really cares about us. And we are being manipulated by the news every freaking day. This is why I tell people get out of your house Get off of your phone. Go talk to your fellow man. You know, it's easy to kill somebody when you just see them as a MAGA Republican or as a stupid liberal. And you don't see the person that's behind them and all the life and the things that they have. And if you're only going off of them by being that title, you don't see a human. You see the opposition. You see you see this as a war. You see this as an opportunity to kill the opposing force. And the truth is, we are not an opposing force. We are not enemies. We are all freaking Americans with just different political views and different, you know, likes and dislikes. And, you know, it's, it's really not that complicated. But because the media, I tell people I am not a conspiracy theorist at all, but I really, truly do believe that there is something sinister going on in this country. I can't explain it. I don't know what it is. You know, I'm not on the QAnon train. I'm not I'm not with the people on J6. I don't like what happened on J6. I'm not an Ashley Babbitt fan. I'm not a fan of the politics. I'm not a fan of the cop that shot and killed Ashley Babbitt. I don't like any of these people because they're all crazy. and They're all extremists. I like my average everyday fellow Americans. I like my next door neighbor, Roger. I like my next door, the neighbors that live up the street from me that live. You know, my son's best friend, Ryan. And his family and Julie and their daughter. I like my neighbor, Richard. He's black just because he's a good person. I don't care that he's black. I just like good people. I like people that leave me alone and let me live my life. I like people that live in our neighborhood and that are courteous of other people. I like people that go out of their way to help somebody. You know, I saw a guy yesterday at Lowe's in a little power chair struggling. And I asked him, like, the older white guy, like, hey, sir, do you need a hand? You know what, man? Thank you for offering me a hand. But you know what? I got to eventually learn to help myself. I was like, you know what? That works for me. But he said, thank you for at least noticing me and trying to help. That's what I like. That's the America that I want. That's the America I want my children to grow up in. And we are not going to have that America much longer. If we continue down this path of just dividing us between political parties and dividing us between stupid, petty things like skin color. And the truth is, man, the average American does not care about skin color. They don't care about what color the little mermaid is. They don't care about the black wonder years. They don't care about black lives matter. Everybody just wants to get the government out of their lives, out of their pockets. Everybody wants their kids to have a good life. Everybody wants to you know, keep more of their money, pay less in taxes. These are all things that we all want. But for some odd reason, we continue to let the extremists on on the left or the right control the narrative in this country and we're just all caught up in the middle and for some odd reason we're not speaking up you know i heard somebody say the other day the silent majority 
you know what? This is not the time to be silent no more. If you are being silent right now, you are part of the problem. That is why I started my podcast, because I refuse to be silent. You know, I'm not going to be threatened or coerced or fear. No, shut up because of fear of losing my job or losing a promotion. And, you know, I possibly you know this. Like I told you on last podcast, this podcast has cost me some stuff. Using your First Amendment rights costs you. Freedom is not free. Freedom comes at a steep price. And when you speak up, guess what? People listen. And because of that, you know, I put in for a job at a different police department. And the rumor I heard was they like you, but they don't want you because your podcast, my book. And if that's the case, I don't know if they're listening or watching or listening. Hey, that's on you. I'm not I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I am not willing, like Benjamin Franklin says, he who's willing to sacrifice his essential freedoms and liberties for a little safety and security deserve neither. And I'm not willing to give up my First Amendment rights to maintain a job, to get a job, to make more money. My ancestors slaved in this country and fought to be for so that I could be free. I fought for this country so that my kids could be free. And no one is going to use my First Amendment rights or job and hang it over my head and dangle it in front of me like a carrot to th- make me think that, you know what? If you want this, you're going to have to shut up and be quiet. No one or nothing. I'm not going to silence myself for anyone or anything. Now, it'd be different if I was on here disrespecting everybody, calling, you know, the mayor and police officers out and calling everybody pieces of you know, crap and all this, but that's not what I do this podcast for. I do this podcast to give you no know, myself a voice because for so long I never had a voice. I never had my own identity. Now I have my own thing, my own platform, and it feels good. And nobody's going to take that from me. And it feels good to try to help and be a voice for people that are afraid to speak up. And I hope that this podcast helps more people come to the forefront and be afraid and not be afraid to speak up. We cannot operate in fear in this country. We cannot operate in fear on our police departments. We can't operate in fear in our judicial system because when we do, all the stories I've told you about today are the reason why these things keep happening is because we're operating out of fear. Now, we're knocked back on our heels in this country. We're not talking to our fellow man, to our left and our right. And because of that, we fear everything. We fear retaliation. You know, we, we, you know, we fear losing out on something if we speak out. And that is not how freedom works. Imagine if the people that if our forefathers were afraid to speak out against the British. Imagine if, you know, slave emancipators were afraid to speak out. Imagine if Dr. King was afraid to speak out. And you know what? Because he was on the forefront, somebody tried to kill him. Well, not try. They somebody killed Dr. King because of that. Somebody killed Malcolm X because he was too free because he spoke his mind. There have been so many people that have lost things in this life because they chose to go forward in courage and speak the truth and not be afraid of those in power and those in control. And the truth is, as American citizens, we the people hold the power, not the government. We the people. The citizens, we hold the power, not the president, not Biden, not Congress. They are allowed to operate because we let them. We, the people, 
And for some odd reason, I feel like we the people have forgot that. And I feel like our elected officials have completely forgot that. And the only reason they keep doing it is because we continue to let them forget and we don't remind them who they work for. And that's a shame. Eventually, think something's going to happen. Something's going to crumble. Something's going to change. I don't know what it is, but and I mean, it's just the same with police work. Police work is changing right now. My police department's changing. You know, we have a, a mayoral election coming up. There's definitely going to be change, good or bad. I don't know. I know what I want to see. I want to see a Mayor Bill Duraf and I want to see a Chief Rick Sanders for this department and the city. Not just not and not because of Republicans. Not because they're the ones a Democrat. I want to see that because I believe that they are the best people for the job and that they are what Louisville needs. Nothing else. It ain't because they're white. It's not because they're you know, pro this and pro that. It's just I believe that they're good people. And I believe that they want what's best for the city, this police department and its citizens. That's it. But we'll see. You know, We're a couple months out from the election and my God, this city needs a new change of leadership. And the thing that gets me is, you know, the indefinition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Louisville, you have been voting Democrat since 1969 or 1968. That was the last time there was a Republican mayor in this city. And I'm not saying that a Republican mayor is going to be the be all end all and that's going to solve all the problems. And if everybody just voted Republican, everything would just be hunky dory, a OK, and there'd be no problems. That's not true. There will always be issues there will always be something wrong, but you can't complain at the way things are when you haven't done anything to change it. When you haven't voted any different, you know, over the last you know fifty some odd years, you know, this the ball is in our court. And what are we going to do with it? You know, are we just going to stay where we are, keep dribbling until the clock runs out? Or are we going to try to push forward and try something new with a new way of thought? So I'm, all, I'm I'm here for it. I'm all in. I'm here with the police department. I ain't going nowhere. We'll see what happens, man. We will see what happens. I'm very. It's gonna be an interesting next couple months. So, and and the fact that I'm going into this election without caffeine, ooh, you all be ready to, to tune into this podcast because I am not holding back on any of it. Yo, know, yeah. So I'm 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 gonna stay free. I'm gonna keep using my First Amendment rights. Like I said, I'm not hiding who I am and where I'm from and where I work. I just feel like it's so ridiculous that me as a police officer, you can see me in public every day. That's Officer Pitts. That's a, oh, hey, officer, how you doing? My name is on my uniform, and you can control what I do and say for 12 hours a day. But because I'm off on my own free time, I can't have an opinion. If you think that, let me tell you something right now. You can kiss my black behind. <laughs> That I can be a public servant all day, but when I'm off, I can't be who I am. Because but the truth is, I'm the same guy in uniform that I'm out of uniform. I just hold back a little bit more while I'm in uniform so that I can be impartial. That's it. Other than that, Dexter Pitts is Dexter Pitts 24-7. I ain't changing and I don't change. I am who I am. Either you love me as I am and accept me or you don't. And guess what? If you don't like me, you don't want me around. You don't want me on your department or whoever, whatever. You don't want me a part of your group or this and that. That sounds like a you problem, not a me problem. Because I'm very comfortable with who I am and I'm comfortable in my skin, people. I love me and I love my life. 
And guess what? I'm not changing anything about it for anyone. Say, I'm almost died for this country, and I'd be damn sure, rest well, that I'm going to use my rights just like everybody else. Even though it comes at a cost, I'm okay with paying that cost because freedom means that much to me. And because freedom means that much to me, guess what else means that much to me? Being a Christian. Now, some of y'all listen to this show and be like, ain't no way this fool a Christian. I, I am a man that loves the Lord. Sometimes things roll off of my tongue and come out of my lips. That I probably shouldn't say that's because I'm a flawed man. But the reason I'm saying this is because uh, one of my buddies I served with in the army, Christopher Beard, my buddy, he lives he's down in Texas. Love that guy. He asked me. So I guess you could say this is the uh, ask Dex anything portion of the podcast. He sent me a message and wanted me to say on my podcast, what does it mean to me to be a Christian? So for me, what it means to be a Christian is it's actually very deep because, you know, how I viewed Christianity when I was younger versus now and a couple months ago, it's completely changed and completely different. I mean, the basic principle of Christianity is I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I believe that he is the son of God. And that's pretty much basic Christianity. But I like to talk, y'all. I'm a bit deeper than that. I'm, you know, I can get below the surface and I'm going to go a little bit below the surface because Christianity to me is a lot deeper than that. You know, it's a, for me, Christianity is about love. And when you love someone, you don't force them to do anything necessarily. So with me, with Christianity, when, when I think of Jesus Christ, and I think of God, I think of God as giving us the option to love him. And not force us to love him. And I see God in my life as providing me with this book, the Holy Bible, as a map of how to live my life. Not like a, it's not a suggestion, but a actual roadmap on on how you should live your life to make your life better and easier. And I say that's not saying that your life is going to be free from problems because you accept Jesus Christ in your life. And everything's going to be perfect and great and you're never going to have any problems. That is not the case. You're going to have struggles. But when you listen to the word of God and you read the Bible, I need to read it more. I don't. I really don't. I'm horrible. But you will come across situations in life that you will encounter and you will have something to turn to. You will have something to read for encouragement. You will get a foundation of faith and you will know that. No matter what or how things turn out, that things are going to work out in his favor. Maybe not your favor, but in God's favor, because it's God's plan. So, you know, being a Christian for me, it's a uh, it's complicated because I say I'm not a perfect man. I make my mistakes, but my heart is in the right place and my mind is, for the most part, in the right place. But I just, hey, man, this is harder than I thought it'd be, man, just. And Chris, you really put it on me on this one. I should, <laughs> you know, maybe being a Christian is learning to love those who don't love you and forgiving those who have hurt you. Those are definitely lessons from the Bible. You know, we follow Jesus Christ's example because Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross for our sins. You know, and regardless, no matter what was done to Jesus Christ while he was up on the cross. He decided to forgive everyone 
who put him up on that cross. And for me, that's one of the biggest things I get from being a Christian is realizing that I have to learn to forgive people who have persecuted me, who have done things to me and said things to me because it does me no good in my life or benefit to carry around the grudges and the anger with me. It, it does nothing for you. And that is why I love being a Christian because I have this wonderful example of Jesus Christ who's God's son sent to earth to show us the way. And for me, maybe I, if you read my book, I am pits. Maybe I have carried with me a lot of hurt, a lot of anger, well, a lot of vitriol and just bitterness, man. I used to be laden down with it. And that's not the case no more because you know, the Lord showed me a better way. You know, I kind of feel like uh, if we look at the police department, you know, Christianity, you got the Bible, the police department, we have SOP. <laughs> I look at it as kind of the same where it's like the Bible is my SOP. And as my commander one told me a couple weeks ago, policy is a, is a suggestion. And, and if you want to have better outcomes, you should probably listen to the suggestions in policy. Although I disagree with that statement that it's a, a suggestion because if you violate it, you're messed up, you're going to get in trouble. And it's the kind of the same with the Bible. So, you know, it's one of those, uh, <laughs> you know, I try not to violate the word of God, but like I say, nobody's perfect, but, the one thing I love about Christianity is the mercy and grace that is shown to us. And because it's shown to me, I know that I need to show it to other people. You know, there's, this, there's been this guy in downtown Louisville lately where, man, I don't know who this cat is, but it's a skinny black guy. He's been laying at the underpass at Brook street and Chestnut street. This man has no feet and he's been in his wheelchair. He's been out in the streets for months. I mean, he lays on the ground, with his pants down, covered in his own feces, and and he just lays out there all day. And people call on this guy all the time and say, you know, do something, officer, do something. And there's literally nothing I can do but pray for this guy. And some people see this guy as a nuisance because he's crapping all over the sidewalk. And the one thing I love about being a Christian and knowing the word of God is the fact that I can't look at this man as a nuisance. Now, you know, on the on the surface of me, I look at it as, oh, my God, what is wrong? Get your life together, you know. But deep down, I know better because I know that God loves this man. And as a follower of God, I know that God would expect me to treat this man how he has treated me. You know, God has treated me good and well, giving me stuff I don't deserve. And guess what? That keeps me in check because at any point in time, God could have just kind of threw me to the side and just let me go and not giving me the things and bless me with the things he's blessed me with. And I realized that maybe I'm just one bad incident away from being that guy laying, laying under that underpass. No, I, I don't know this guy's story. You know, maybe I need to go talk to this guy, learn more of his story and figure out what's going on and figure out more ways to help him. You know, but I I can only do so much. I'm only one officer and there's a system and things and I can't do everything. You know, so I mean, I don't know. But, you know, there's just something about being a Christian that I I have to have it in my life because it keeps me in check. And just be, and this is the same reason why I continue to be a cop, because being a police officer keeps me humble and keeps me grounded. You know, a lot of people try to get out of this profession because it's hard, it's dangerous, it's dirty, it's nasty. But but. I don't want to get out of this profession because I've said it before. This profession keeps me 
level-headed and keeps keeps things in perspective for me. You know, this this job keeps me at a point to where I'm always questioning it. Well, uh, like I'm always talking to God during my shift because I see so much that happens and it just makes me question and wonder, like, why God, why would you let this happen to this person? And you know, I learned so many lessons in this job, and it just it does my heart well being a police officer and that I'm able to make the connection with what I do in the street to what I read in the Bible. And I, I have to have it. I have to have both in my life. I really do. You know, I couldn't live without, you know, talking to God and going today because there's just so much that happens that I can't make sense of and it will never make sense to me. And I realize that God's plan is not my plan. So, you know, I try my best to keep things in perspective and realize that there's something out there bigger than me that is operating and I am just a small part in the plan of in God's plan. Being a Christian means a lot to me. It is the driving force behind everything that I do. It's where my identity is. It's where my family's identity is. It's where we derive a lot of our, <laughs> a lot of our everyday things that we do and thoughts. And I said, there's still a lot of stuff in the Bible that I don't understand. There's a lot of things in life that happen that I don't understand, but I have an basic understanding of the base level of Christianity as to how I'm supposed to operate in this life and treat people. And more than anything, if people, I tell people, if you're, you get confused on what Christianity is and what you're supposed to be as a Christian, just realize we all have our own journey and walk in Christianity. What I struggle with is not going to be something somebody else struggles with. And I learned within Christianity not to judge people simply for their struggles because everybody has a struggle. Somebody might struggle with pornography. Somebody might struggle with alcohol. Somebody might struggle with homosexuality. Somebody might struggle with being a workaholic. I mean, there's just so many sins and struggles that come in this life. And I follow Christianity because I feel like Christianity is the glue that unites and joints all those struggles under one common theme. And it helps us to move past those struggles sometimes. And and, and it helps us to see beyond the struggle and see the person. And it has taught me to love the person to hate the sin. You know, I tell people homosexuality. I'm not a homosexual. You know, it's not my thing. But just because I have a friend that's a homosexual doesn't mean that I hate them. I might not agree with their lifestyle, but I still love them as a person and I still cherish them and celebrate them. You know, there's I have family members that have been caught on drugs. But guess what? It's okay. I still love the person. I just hate the lifestyle and the habit. And there's things I do in my life that people look at me and be like, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. And the way you say things and you talk and you curse sometimes, Dexter, you know, and that's one thing I've never really cared for is people that take their convictions from God and try to place them on me. I don't like that. And so I don't do that with other people. So I'm on my own journey as a Christian. I'm on my own journey, finding my own path. And you know what? I encourage everybody else out there to do that as well. Don't judge somebody else's Christian walk you know, compared to your walk, because it's, it's different. And that's why I always tell people, study your own word, learn for yourself, because in Christianity, believe it or not, people will take advantage of you. People will tell you that God told me to tell you something, and the truth is God ain't told them a dang thing. That's just them and their interpretation. So I always tell people, study to show thyself approved so that somebody can't come up to you and tell you some foolishness and you just go with it. And so 
to me, that's what it means to be a Christian in a jumbled up, convoluted way, <laughs> which I hope I answered it good enough for you, Chris, and for anybody else that was interested. Yes, I'm a man of God. I'm a man of faith. I love the Lord. Sometimes the things that come out of my mouth might make you all question that. But best believe at the end of the day, my heart is with Jesus Christ. My heart is with the church and you know, my heart is with the people because that is what God wants from me. And I know without a shadow of doubt that me being on the streets and policing in Louisville is exactly where God wants me to be right now. If that changes, I don't know. We'll see. You know, because I didn't listen to him before and he closed the door on me to the Border Patrol and I went and breached that door, went in anyway and came back to Louisville running and screaming with my tail tucked between my legs. So I try to listen to the voice of the Lord as much as possible. And I encourage everybody else to and tune out the noise that's going on in the world and all the other mess. And honestly, you know, learn to focus on God, focus on your family and focus on your fellow man. And I think we'll be OK. And ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Iron Pits Podcast. I appreciate you all for tuning in. As always, uh, like I said, sorry for the absence the last two weeks. I had a, say, a lot of life going on, living life, you know, making moves, and doing all that I can to keep the show going and progressing forward. As I told you all recently, I was trying to take the show to YouTube, so I've officially got the show moved over to YouTube in podcast form. So if you want to listen to the Iron Pits podcast, you can go to YouTube and type in Iron Pits and you will see all the past episodes on there as well. If you like a copy of my book, Iron Pits Memoirs of an American Patriot, go to IamPits.com and you can order there. You can go to Amazon or if you would like an autograph signed copy from me, simply drop me an email at IamPits at Yahoo.com. Also, if you could listen, if you're listening to the show. Please go and rate the show on Spotify or leave or rate the show on Apple. If you could uh, five star, one star, whatever. Leave me some reviews. Tell me what you think, what I'm doing good, what I'm doing bad. You know, I need the criticism because criticism is the only way that we grow. And I also realize that I'm very bad at advertising for myself. But also I tell people now if you follow me on Instagram at I am pits one and you can kind of just go with me on my life's journey. See what it's like being a father or a cop and what it's like for me as a day of police officer on the street. So follow me on there. Also, I have two pages on Facebook. I have the author Dexter Pitts and I also have I am Pitts memoirs of an American Patriot. And I also have a freaking link tree. I'm just learning about that. Every time I turn around, there's something new that I got to do or get on or some sort of social media site. And I'm trying my best to keep up y'all a brother tired. <laughs> I'm trying. My mind is being stretched to the max, you know, so I'm trying to start making the move to video. So I'm still trying to figure that out. But thank you all for coming along with me on this journey thus far. You all are appreciated and loved every single download. I tell you all since the beginning, I cherish it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There are so many other voices out in the podcast world you could be listening to. I mean, you have millions of choices, but for some odd reason. You all come and continue to listen to me. And I just want to thank you. If I had enough money in the world to give to you all and enough books, I would give each and every one of you one. If I could, I really, really would, because I appreciate you all that much. So thank you all for tuning in to the Iron Pits podcast. Once again, you know, and, uh, say a prayer for all those down in uh, the south in Florida and on the coast with the uh, hurricane coming their way. So just hope and pray that everybody makes it through that. All right. Say a prayer for your fellow man, people. And also just be good to your fellow man, okay? Let's put all this crazy num this stupidness aside, this Republican and Democrat. Let's just be good to each other regardless of the titles, okay? 
All right, this has been the Iron Pits Podcast, y'all. Thanks for coming and tuning in. I will see you on the next one.